You're listening to a message from Freedom Fellowship, a non-denominational church in small town Wisconsin, bringing light and truth to a world in need. Welcome to Freedom Fellowship Church. This is Pastor Brent. May God bless you. Well, if you haven't figured out yet, it's Palm Sunday. <laughs> um, I love Palm Sunday. It's a it's a celebration. It's a celebration of uh, who Christ is and what He came to do, and the whole um, the whole world is um, looking at this week. You know, this is Easter week. This is Passion Week, and it starts off with Palm Sunday, and it starts out with. Um, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem where the whole uh, crowd just gathered before uh, the Lord, just praising God and singing Hosanna. Now remember, this is the time before um, media and before phones and before TV. The word of mouth of this this great healer, this this great man was in town. He was there for the Passover and he was there to... to um, for what? They they were trying to figure that out. They were trying to figure it out. Was he was he here to take over the take over um, in a military rule um, the the nation of Israel to overthrow um, the Romans? But all they knew is they weren't wanting to come out and see this great man, this man that did all these miracles, and they were just singing, praising God. And this is a time where Jesus didn't rebuke the crowds. He didn't say, be quiet, don't say anything. This was His triumphant entry into Jerusalem. This was the time that His ministry became public to the whole world. Here I am. Here I am. And here we are today, celebrating Palm Sunday all these years later. And we can get lost in it because we've, we've heard many messages on it. But never forget... That Jesus is victorious. God's not dead. He's alive, right? Never forget that He came with a purpose and a plan. And sometimes we need to sit back and say, you know what? God's purpose isn't necessarily my purpose. God's purpose is His. And His alone. Are we willing to receive what God has for us today? Are we willing to receive... The blessing that God has for us today. Many of us say, well, of course, I'm a Christian. I'm coming to church. I want to learn what you have for me, Lord. Do we? Let's look at it. Let's look up to some of the events that happened just prior to the triumphant entry. And maybe we can find ourselves maybe looking a little bit like these disciples before this event. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank You for today. Lord, I pray that every word that would come out of my mouth would give You glory and give You honor. Lord, challenge us today. Rebuke us where we need rebuking. And Lord, I pray that we would leave here just filled to overflowing that we can share the good news of who You are and sing praises of Hosanna in the highest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you stood before Jesus and Jesus asked you this question, this question, and it's a question that He asked His disciples and He's asking us today, what do you want from Me? 
What do you want from me? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me, what do you want Jesus to do for you? Well, come on now. You've ever thought that? Well, I want to be healed. Or I want this. Or I want that. Or I want this. Jesus literally says this to his disciples. And the events prior to the triumphant entry. And we're going to look at it. And we're going to look at the heart behind what was going on when he's asking these questions. Are we ready? Let's, let's, let's get into scripture this morning. We'll start with uh, Mark chapter 10. 35 and 36. You know, the triumphant entry, Palm Sunday, is, is, you know, talked about in all four Gospels. So are these events. And I think it's missed too often when we look at Palm Sunday. We miss the heart of what's going on. We miss what was going on prior. But not today. Not today. Today we're going to take a step and we're going to look at what's going on. Mark 10, 35 and 36. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Oh, that's a pretty bold, pretty bold to come before. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. So let's see what was going on at this time. You can read, you can read this in your Bibles. You can go home and read it this afternoon. The disciples are still arguing who the greatest is among them. Who the greatest disciple is. In Matthew's account, which is very interesting, the sons of Zebedee's mother comes to Jesus and asks. So John and James' mom comes to Jesus and asks, um, put, put my kids right next to you on your throne. They're still confused. They think that Jesus is coming as this great military leader. He's coming to overthrow the Romans. And when He's there and He takes the throne, if he be, when He becomes King of Israel, we want, you, we want James and John to be sitting right on His side. They're confused. But listen, they're arguing. All the disciples, all twelve disciples are arguing, who's the greatest is? Peter's like, ah, it must be me. I at least got out of the boat. You guys stayed in the boat. Maybe Judas is saying, hey, you entrusted me with all the money, so maybe it's me. Maybe it's Thomas because he's asked some good questions and said, yeah, I'll go. And all the disciples are sitting there arguing and saying, who's the greatest? And here, James and John, and even in the Matthew account, you'll see that their mother came to him and said, we want to be sitting right next to you. We want the power. We want authority. Come on. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want power? Don't we want authority? Don't, want, don't we want to be known? Don't we want to be known as Christians? Don't we want a title? Don't we want praise? 
I learned a big valuable lesson yesterday. I learned that when you go back to your hometown where you grow up, where you're born and you're raised, you go back as a pastor proclaiming the Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, not everybody's going to accept it. No, That doesn't mean people accept it where, where you go, but when you go back to your own hometown where you grew up as a kid and they see you as a kid yet, doesn't go well. I did a funeral yesterday and I think for some people it went well, but I literally had a person immediately after I get done, you're worse than a used car salesman. That's like, wow. It's like, okay, what's that all about? Well, I shared the, I shared the gospel and it was attacked. And I, I was humbled because I was hoping that I would get some praise like, oh, great word, Pastor. Great word, Pastor. Hey, it's great to see you grow up from that stinking rotten kid into a pastor. Or or maybe even, thanks for being a blessing to the family. I, I, I kind of was hoping for something like that. I was kind of like wishing that happened. Instead, I get, you rotten... Car salesman. And the tone of it and, and what was said, I was like, okay, what's going on here? And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, you know what, Pastor Brent? You know what? You're looking for praise and glory. You're looking for, you're looking for honor. You're, you were looking for um, self-worth or value. You... We're looking for something that you could get out of it. And I was like, oh Lord. Sitting there crying. So the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart. And if we're true with ourselves this morning, how often do we do things for glory and honor or look at me. Hey, hey, look at me. I, I give to the poor. Look at me. I help the needy. Look at me. I I come to church every Sunday. Oh, look at me. I do this or I do that. Well, let me tell you, that's the wrong heart this morning. Oh, it's the wrong heart. And if you haven't been spanked yet by Jesus, it's coming. You don't want to be spanked the way I was. I'll tell you, it's humbling. and I'll tell you, what do you want me to do for you? They said, I want to be the greatest. They said, I want to sit on your right hand. I want to sit on your left hand. What does Jesus do? He, he rebukes them and said, the greatest among you will be a servant. The lowest level to serve. Also had the privilege of doing a marriage yesterday. And uh, one of the things I shared in the marriage is what true love means. It means to serve one another. To lay down your life for one another. It's not what you get out of the relationship or out of the marriage, but what you give 
in the heart of Jesus Christ. Laying down your life. What's the problem with marriages today? Their focus is on themselves versus on Jesus Christ. I always tell people that are going to get married in pre-marriage counseling, I draw a big wheel, big circle if you will, and then in the center I put put the uh, the hub if you will. And then off the hub I draw, I draw spokes. Right? You can picture a wheel with spokes and a hub. And I say, if your focus is on anything other than Jesus Christ, your life is going to be out of balance. It's going to be out of sorts. If your focus is on finances, that's the one one hub. Guess what? Maybe you accomplished your goals. Maybe you get the promotion you want. Maybe you're successful beyond belief. But what happens with that wheel? It still wobbles. It's out of balance. Oh, well, Pastor, I'm a very spiritual person. My focus is going to be on my wife and my children, and I'm going to put them first no matter what. Okay, that's great. Maybe that's even a a good Christian answer. I'll tell you what, if it's not focused on Jesus first, you won't be able to love your wife and children the way you're called to love them. And it'll again be out of balance. You'll be like, well, I take them on vacation and I, and I do this and I provide a good home for them and I do this and they don't appreciate me. And my life, well, you know what? Your focus is wrong. What can you, what do you want me to do for you? I think we ask this of Jesus. Don't we? Because we want to be praised. We want to be honored. And I was reminded it's not about the praise and honor that I want or I feel I deserve. Raising kids. I think many of us have raised kids. When you raise kids, you make sacrifices, do you not? You lose sleep. You... Do what the kids need to do. Um, we have um, one of my my kids uh, goes to tutoring, and it's not cheap, and it's a sacrifice of time, finances, different things. And I said, I don't even think they appreciate it because they're kids; they don't know any better. They're just like, "This is what we're doing. This is what we do for school. This is kind of what it is." I'm like. I never got tutoring. I never got special help. I never did this. My parents didn't make that sacrifice. And I'm doing this for my kids because I I want them to have the best. And they don't get it. They don't seem to appreciate it because it's just something that's there. And I'm like, my heart is so wrong so often. My heart is so what can Jesus, what can you do for me? And too often that's like a childish attitude. Hey mom, dad, all my friends have the iPhone. I need an iPhone. Or blah, blah, blah. They're all wearing this, this outfit. Why, why do you want that? Why do you want to be like them? Why do you, well, because, because, no, because you're focused on yourself. 
The disciples are focused on themselves and they were focused on being the greatest. And anytime you have that heart, you need to get checked this morning. And I want to start with that. Another time, he goes to disciples or a man that becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. Not one of the original 12, but we'll look at this, Mark 10, 51 through 52. Blind Barnabas receives his sight. It's under that account. It's amazing when you follow Scripture and you just don't pick and choose and you read it and you see the context and the flow of how Scripture is flowing here. Disciples are fighting with each other, okay? They're, they're fighting with each other who the greatest is. And then they're on their way. They still didn't get that answer. Jesus rebukes James and John. And then they're on their way and they run into this, this blind man. And he's crying out to Jesus. Shouting out, if you will. Shouting out to God. And Peter hears him. And he says, come on. Come on over. Come talk to Jesus. And this is where we come into, again, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. I love this. I love what Jesus says. A two-letter word. Go! Go! If I was crying out to Jesus and I was just pouring out to Jesus and screaming, Hey Lord, have mercy on me. I want to see. Hey Lord, heal me of this disease. Hey Lord, help me with this. Hey Lord, help me with my marriage. Hey Lord, and we're crying out to Jesus. And Jesus answers you. And He says, go. I'd be like, what? What? Go where? And then He says, your faith has healed you. Immediately, He received His sight. And what did He do? Follow Jesus along the road. He followed Jesus. Okay. Some of you are praying for a miracle. Some of you are praying for a breakthrough in your marriage. Some of you are praying for a breakthrough in your finances. Some of you are praying for a breakthrough in you name it. And you're crying out to Jesus. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is hearing your prayer. Prayers. He's hearing you cry. And He's saying, Go! Go follow Me. Trust in Me. Trust that I have it. What did Paul do? He cried out to Jesus for this infirmity, this unknown infirmity. And God didn't answer His prayer. And yet He cried, Paul says, but yet your grace is sufficient. So when I, we don't have that prayer answered the way we want to, is Christ's grace sufficient? Is Christ's grace sufficient for us? Is it efficient enough for us to follow Jesus where He's calling us to go? Follow Me. I knew yesterday I was walking into a hornet's nest. I knew the guys that I'd be talking to. These were men, 
when I was a little boy that were manly, manly men, if you will. These are the guys that wore dress shirts and had their chest hair hanging out and cut sleeves and big, big arms. <laughs> these are all farmers. You know, these are farmers and just, just burly men. Most of them didn't speak proper English. Probably where I learned some of my vocabulary. <laughs> and I knew I was walking into that. And I wanted my wife to be able to be there. Because I just wanted support and prayer. Because I knew this was not going to be an easy crowd. But she made commitments and plans to be a blessing to her aunt and to her cousin. And after prayer and talking about it and even getting godly counsel, we decided, yep, the right thing to do is for her to go with her commitment. I prayed about it and she said, I'll be praying for you. I knew, I knew I was walking into to the hornet's nest. And I was prepared, spent days in prayer, and yet I get there, I deliver the message, and instead of getting praised, I got kind of what I thought was going to happen. I got stepped on. Who are you, this little boy that grew up with snot-nosed little kid? You know, that's kind of the attitude I got. But I do believe the family was blessed. I found out later, my mom called me up, the deceased sister had a strain, they were estranged for many years. And I never met this lady before. But I met her in the hospital and then I met her yesterday, uh, saw her again yesterday. She came up to my mom and she said, The words that your son spoke, not your son, the words that your son spoke are giving our family hope and bringing life to our family. We have been estranged from our family. For years. And this is enough's enough. Thank your son on behalf of the family for the words he spoke. And I'm thinking, oh, hallelujah, praise God. So even though I got beat up, the words of God did not come back void. And God's changing hearts. And I, God knew I needed that before today, because otherwise, if I went in today, I would have been so defeated, I don't even know if I could have given the triumphant entry and the joyous thing of Christ Jesus. But I know that this family member, this sister, life is changed. And I know that the husband and the sons looked at me with tears in their eyes and shook my head and said, thank you. I know that. And I know that the words of God will never go back void. See, here's the, here's the truth. If we look for self-glory, we may find it. But it's not giving glory to Jesus Christ. If we're looking for a healing or we're looking for a miracle and it doesn't seem like it's happening, 
Well, what are we saying? We're saying, God, I deserve this. Instead, what we should be saying is, your grace is sufficient. I'm going to walk through this. I'm going to follow you no matter what happens. And I'm going to watch how God takes care of it. I'm not going to let a cancer diagnosis keep me from coming to church. I'm not going to let um, this sickness or whatever keep me from proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm going to live for Christ and Christ alone. So, we get to uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 1. And He just answered these two questions to His disciples. He healed the blind man when He asked in faith. He said, follow Me. Go, follow Me. He did. We see the other two disciples being rebuked. Now we get into Mark chapter 11, verse 1. The triumphant entry. Palm Sunday that we all celebrate every year. And when I grew up in, in the church I grew up in, they would wave the palms and they, it'd be a, just a whole day of praise and worship, which was, which was rare in the church that I came in. But it was just a day that they just praised and sang and it was just such an awesome, glorious day. But let's look at this. Let's look at what Scripture says here. Mark 11, chapter 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of His disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. There's a beeping in the church. Does anybody know where it's coming from? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. That's all right. The devil sometimes doesn't want us. He wants to distract us. And we're not going to get distracted. We're going to see what what God has for us here. Mark 11. Chapter 1. This is... You can write down this in your notes. A faith test, if you will. A faith test, if you will. He tells His disciples, go, and to do what? Go get a donkey. And it's colt. They're just arguing about who the greatest is. I want to sit on your life, your right hand. I want to sit on your left hand. I'm the greatest in the kingdom of God. He says, Let's go. Go. Go get this donkey and go get this colt. You know that in all four gospel accounts, they never mentioned the disciples' names that went. Some people speculate it was Peter. Some people speculate it was this disciple. It never mentions their name. I think that the gospel writers knew who these disciples were when they wrote it down. But they didn't dare write down their name because they were already learning the lesson that it's not about them. It's about Jesus and Jesus alone. See, here's the thing. To go get the donkey and its colt, that was a task of what? A servant! That was a task of a slave or a servant to go do that. Not the next rulers or the next kingdom. It was about, it was about 
becoming a servant or a slave to do what the Master tells them to do. Before we go any farther in this account, I think we need to take a step back and look at what being a disciple is. Luke 14, 26-33. Luke 14, 26-33. Luke 14, 26-33. Well, praise God for, for the beeping. Has anybody ever public spoke before and then have beeping and distractions? It's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's not easy, but you know what? God is, God is glorious. It's all about Him. Luke 14, 26-33. If anyone comes to Me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be My disciples. That's pretty harsh words. What is Jesus saying here? We'll keep going. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow Me cannot be My disciple. 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? 29. For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegate while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has, he has, cannot be my disciple. Okay. This is all about the cost of discipleship. Verse 26, when it talks about hating your, your mother and your father and even your own children, what he's referring to there isn't actually hating your kids or hating your loved ones. That's a wrong interpretation of Scripture. What it's saying here is we need to love Jesus more or with supremacy, with our everything. Remember like I was saying about the spokes and the hub. We have to focus on Jesus. He has to be our all in all. If, if our focus... This Sunday morning is on something other than Jesus. Our priorities are wrong. We're no better than the disciples that said, hey, I want to be the greatest. We have to love Jesus more than everything else in the world. Hosanna in the highest. People are shouting and praising God. We're going to look at that in a little bit. And yet they missed it. A few days later, they're yelling, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! How do you go from yelling, Hosanna in the highest, to crucify Him? Well, they obviously didn't love Jesus more than anything else. They didn't love Jesus more than 
persecution or more than excuse me more than their children more than their more than their family they were afraid of persecution they were afraid that what the jewish leaders and the romans would do to him when he didn't come to be that military leader verse 27 um, in Luke 14. What's he talking about? Picking up our cross and following Him. See, listen. What was the cross used for? Death. Punishment. Torture. But it was the most... Yeah, ridicule. Being ridiculed, tortured, death. Pick up your cross from ridicule, being ridiculed. Pick up your cross from being tortured. Pick up your cross from being death. You know what that means to me? This means a total commitment, a total surrender to Jesus Christ. I talk about it a lot in my messages, if you follow and listen to my messages. You need to be sold out for Jesus. Totally surrender. You can't just have one foot in and one foot out. You can't be, you can't be on the boat and say, oh, I'm going to dip my toes in the water. You gotta jump in. You gotta be all in. Are you totally committed to Jesus Christ? Do you love Him more than everything else? Or are you just looking for your own praise and glory? Hey, I'm Pastor. The truth is, Holy Spirit had to break me this week. Too often I'm looking for praise. Too often I'm looking for, for, well done. It's not about that. It's about Jesus and who He is and what He's done. Let us not forget that. Are we all in? Verse 33 in Luke 14. Let's read that. If we can pull that up, Deanna, again. We'll see if you guys can put a point down for notes. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciples. Give up everything. Anybody come up with a point for that? We have two points so far. Love Jesus supremely. And two, be totally committed. What does this say? How about be the Lord of my possessions? Give up everything? That's what I see here. Get rid of... What was that? Get rid of idols. Get rid of everything. Get rid of anything that you put before Christ. And here's the truth. It's so hard for us to even open up our Bibles. It's so hard for us to even make it to a church on Sunday morning. And yet, how much time do we spend doing everything else? How much time? A lot. You can check. You can check on your phone how much time you're you're playing on your phone or checking things on your phone. You'll be surprised. Then check how much time you spend actually reading the Word of God on your phone or in the Bible. I know for me, it's out of order. I can only point to myself. I got to do better. I got to read read the Word more because. I'm telling, I'm asking you guys: Are we making Jesus supreme in our life, or are other things more important? Am I totally committed, or am I just 
coming up here on Sunday mornings and just half-hearted. Am I totally sold out for Jesus? Or is it something else? Is Jesus the Lord of everything? Lord of my possessions? I, I prayed that He would start convicting us this morning. He came to Palm Sunday service and thought it would just be singing and praising. We started out that way with the kids. And I think we're going to end that way. Because I'm not going to just leave us here. But if we're truly going to be disciples, we have to be totally sold out for Jesus, period. Right? And it can't be about gaining notoriety or anything for ourselves. It has to be all about Jesus. And so Jesus has given us the faith test. Go pick up the donkey and the colt. Are we willing to do it? We'll say, oh yeah, it's for the Lord. Are we willing to do what God's called us to do? I uh, I didn't want to go. I did not want to go uh, to the funeral service yesterday. I wrestled with God all week. I had I had sweats going into it like like hot flashes like the bed was soaked with just sweat at night because I was I knew kind of what I was walking into and it's like go go it's like okay at least my loving wife will be there for me uh, God was there and God said no go I don't want to pick up the donkey. I don't want to pick up the donkey and the colt. I want to sit on the donkey. I don't want to pick it up. Obedience. We need to do what we're instructed to do. Go get the donkey and the colt. And it's no names are mentioned there. These are no-name disciples. We don't know who they are, and we will never know who they are. Disciples, when they wrote this down, I believe knew that it's not about them. It's all about Jesus Christ. Are we willing to do stuff even if we don't get praise for it? Are we willing to do stuff if nobody recognizes it? Are we willing to do stuff that nobody else wants to do? Come on now. Am I willing? All right, let's go back to Mark chapter 11, 1 through 11. I think we need to read the account, break it down a little bit. I've been kind of hard on all of us this morning, mostly myself, because that's how God works with me. All right. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Tell him, The Lord needs it, and I will send it back here shortly. When They went and found the colt outside the street, Tied at a doorway, as they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing, untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to do. 
And the people let them go. Listen. Are we willing to be obedient? To do the things that nobody else wants to do? And when we're challenged in it, say, the Lord has told me to do this. Or the Lord needs it. Ooh, would the world be a different place? Oh, would the world be a different place? Oh, we want to skip ahead now, don't we? We want to skip ahead and say, Hosanna in the highest. We want to talk about the palm branches and the cloaks laid down and the cushy ride that Jesus had. There's like, oh, now we want to talk about that. But are we willing to do the things nobody else wants to do? And then, Jesus knew that they would be questioned. I'm going to tell you this. When you do what God wants you to do, you're going to be questioned in it. (laughs) When you do what God wants you to do, you're going to come across opposition. And when you do what God called you to do, you're probably not going to feel like doing it. Did you guys catch that? You're going to come across opposition. You're going to be persecuted. And you're probably not going to feel like doing it. And I'm telling you, do it. Because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Hosanna in the highest. Well, the Holy Spirit will start working on you. If you're His disciples, if you want to love Jesus with all your heart, oh, He'll start putting things in your life. Go to that person and love that person. I I don't want to. You're going to face opposition, but say the Lord told me to do it. Or the Lord needs this. Is what Jesus told them to do. And they were obedient. And they did it. And what happened? The people let them take the colt. Let them take the, uh, the donkey. Zechariah 9.9 teaches us that this was prophesied long ago in the Old Testament that Jesus would ride on a colt. Now when I think about that as I think about how God predestined everybody. He knew who was going to accept Him and who wasn't going to accept Him. That whole word predestined and different denominations have started and different churches. I'll just put it this way so, so we understand it real clearly. God knew who was going to accept Him and who was not going to accept Him. But He's called us to be the instruments of light into this world. And when we're called to be instruments of light to this world, we're not necessarily going to like to do it. It's going to sometimes seem menial. And yet, God will have you where you're supposed to be. That an estranged sister of the deceased will call up and say, the words that were spoken changed my life. See, God knows who's going to accept it and who's not. And they cannot, the enemy, the world cannot stand against the Word of God. He cannot stand against the Holy Spirit. If He's told you to do it, He's going to provide a way and a means. And it's going to be done.
Where are we at? What verse? Verse 7. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, He sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut into the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of your father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. That's the account found in Mark. I want to break down a little bit more here. The people spread out their cloaks and palm branches, which symbolize goodness and victory. See, they were misunderstood what Jesus was all about. But they were praising God in victory. They were praising God in victory and many of them, most of them I would argue, were praising God in victory for a, a, a victory over the Romans. But God's victory was so much bigger and different than, I, than they ever thought. It was a victory for the whole world. That whoever accepted Him would be saved. Whoever accepted what He did on the cross and how He rose again on the third day would be saved. And they were shouting victory to God in the highest. Hosanna! And so many of us go to church and we praise God on Sunday mornings. And we praise God on Sunday morning only a few days later to curse Him. GD this. Come on, has anybody else done that? I have. Praise God. I want us... Two things underneath the faith test I want us to catch. And I'll go through these notes in closing because I think it's important that we get them. We need to have obedience to do what God's called us to do. Even menial tasks like picking up the donkey and the colts. We have to do it and we have to see it through. And when we see it through, expect persecution. Expect people to question it. But God's work is at hand. And just tell them that God needs it. You're doing God's work and what happens? It'll be done. Second thing in this great account of Palm Sunday is we're called to praise God. My grace is sufficient. Paul cries out, God, Your grace is sufficient. Praise God in trials. Praise God in struggles. Praise God in good times. Praise God in bad times. Praise God in all times. Praise Him for, write this down, for who He is and what He's done. If you're going through a tough time today, stop focusing on whatever you're going through. Okay? Can we all do that? Stop focusing on whatever you're going through. Whatever sickness, health, finances, spousal problem, whatever. And focus on who God is. Who is He? He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He created all the stars and the heavens. He created this great earth. And He created you. If He created you, 
He created all the stars in heaven. He's bigger than any problem. So start focusing on who He is. Second thing you need to do is focus on what He's done. That He's been victorious over sin and death and disease. He's been victorious over it and He died and paid the penalty for it. And He rose again victorious on the third day. If you can't do anything else this morning, or this evening before you go to bed. Praise God for who He is and what He's done. And then be obedient to what He's called you to do. You say, well, Pastor Brent, I, God doesn't wake me up in the middle of the night and tell me what to do. and I, This doesn't really apply to me. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. What does Matthew tell us to do in Matthew 28, 18-20? What? What does he tell us to do? Matthew twenty eight, eighteen through twenty. Then Jesus came to them and said, This is right before he ascended into heaven. All authority, you can authority means power. All power or all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go listen to this. And make disciples. Of all nations. Okay, what is a disciple? Just in case you didn't know. Somebody that loves Jesus supremely. Somebody that's totally committed. And somebody that says, Lord, you be in control of everything. All my possessions, everything. Those are disciples. Totally, Somebody that's totally in love with Jesus. Somebody that's totally committed and somebody that says, everything I am, everything I have is yours. Amen. Therefore, go. That word go again. Didn't we see that earlier? Go. Go. Become a follower of me. Follow the road that I walked. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What do you want from Jesus this morning? I hope your prayer is like mine. To grow deeper with Him. To grow deeper with Him. In order to grow deeper with Him, we need to be totally surrendered to God. We need to be obedient to what He's called us to do. And we need to praise Him and sing, Hosanna in the highest. Because He's been victorious over everything you're going through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening in to today's message. To get in touch or donate, please see the links in the show notes. God bless.